0: And a warm welcome to The Afternoon Show. I'm Bill Arnold, and I'm very uh, much looking forward to this hour. My guest needs very little introduction. It's the always great, never less than sensational Carmen LaBerge. Carmen, welcome.
1: Hey, thank you. This is so fun. It's
0: so fun for me, and I'm looking forward to the topics we're going to discuss that's been on your heart for, I don't know, a while now, and they're very important topics.
1: Thanks. I appreciated you being like, hey, what do you want to talk about? And I'm like, well, I kind of want to talk about solitude and how it impacts our spiritual warfare. And you were like, that sounds interesting.
0: Oh, it sounds very interesting. (laughs) And I don't know, do we have a scripture verse that we're going to start working from uh, regarding solitude?
1: Well, I think, I mean, you could, there are so many we could turn to. I I was highlighting just in my own study in relationship to this um, from Mark chapter 6. Um, where Jesus is inviting his disciples to join him apart from the crowds. Um, and it's a it's a come away with me um, passage. And we we tend to think of Jesus going off by himself to a quiet place. And he does that. Um, certainly um, we know that. But in this particular passage, so I'm in Mark chapter six, and I'm just going to look here at verses thirty one and thirty two. Because so many people were coming and going that they couldn't even get a chance to eat. Jesus said to his disciples, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. And so they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. So this this come away with me um is come away with me in community. And I think that's significant because I think we often think of solitude as something we do by ourselves and jesus was inviting them to come away with him by themselves together and i think that's important
0: not only is important carmen but it's kind of a um a new idea for a lot of people including uh, the host of the afternoon show (laughs) so i'm just saying
1: (laughs) right so i mean jesus says let's that's plural let's there's an apostrophe s there that's all of us let's you and me let's go off by ourselves which is weird yeah let's go off by ourselves together to a, to a quiet place and let's rest a while. Yeah. And then in the next verse, they went to a quiet place where they could be alone, where they could be alone together.
0: Yeah. All right. This is mind breaking. This is so good (laughs) because I always think solitude is a way that you distance yourselves from others (laughs) in order to sort of examine your heart and hear God speak and just be alone and use it as a time of uh, rest and refreshment. But Sounds like there's a little community of solitude happening.
1: I think that God knows our need for community deeply, and he also knows the risk of, that we experience in isolation. I mean, we certainly see Jesus 40 days in the wilderness utterly alone. So we have an example of solitude that is that does look a lot like isolation, um, and it's just Jesus and the Father. And I do think that's important. But I also recognize that, particularly when we're talking about being exhausted, mm-hmm. um, getting away together with other Christians has some benefit as well. Um, because I need, uh, I need to sometimes not be isolated and yet have the opportunity to be intentional with the Lord.
0: Hmm. So I I love this idea, and we read about this in in mark 6 that, that there were so many people coming and going that didn't have a chance to eat i mean you have to figure out we got to get alone get alone and get some food and get to a quiet place and get some rest so they they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place it's just really amazing
1: yeah so um my other my other passage that I lift up in terms of this conversation about solitude and the way God speaks to us in times of solitude is I think about um this very, very well known passage about Elijah in First Kings chapter nineteen. And Elijah, he's literally trying to get away from it all. <laughs> like he's like, I'm I'm pretty much done. I, I'd like I'd like to be done. Is being done an option? <laughs> um like mm-hmm. is that could we do that? And um, and there's this very intimate experience that um, that Elijah has with God um, and experiences the care and the concern of God. Um, and then um, we have this incredible exchange where, you know, there's this, I mean, maybe an expectation that you would hear God in the whirlwind, but he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Maybe that you would hear him or experience him in in sort of the dramatic movement of things, but that's not... Where it happens, um, and and we know where it happens, and that's in this still small voice.
0: Mm-hmm. Carmen Laburge is my oh. guest, and if you work the third shift and you just got up, maybe you're thinking, <laughs> is this Carmen show or is this Bill show that people don't even know right now? So that's kind of interesting. <laughs> but you can hear Carmen on the mornings right here on Faith Radio. She is on six to eight Monday through Friday, and as you know, Carmen is a terrific uh, thinker and has this way of synthesizing and taking. Uh, objects and 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 topics from the news and and melding them with scripture and thinking biblically and figuring out ways that we can do life better we can take the news of the day and know how to better apply it as we go out into the world and have answers for people that are strong and biblically based and carmen you do that masterfully thanks bill yeah yeah let's get back to solitude because I'm, I'm a big fan of this topic Alone time so, with God is just not us. It's sometimes community.
1: Yeah, sometimes community, and um, and then I'm just recognizing more and more that that God has a point in it. Like um, I might think that I'm escaping everything by getting off with God, and and certainly, you know, I think that's what Elijah had in mind. Let me, let me, let me get away from this crazy lady Jezebel. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, he literally like ran for his life. I mean, I've had enough take my life. I just, I'm done. Like, let, let me just lay down under the tree and fall asleep. Like, can I, can I just please be done? And he's strengthened by the Lord. Um, and then we have this 40 day and 40 night journey to Mount Horeb. And that's where, you know, he's in this cave and he spends the night. I mean, this is isolation kind of solitude. Um, but the Lord comes to him and first he's like, what are you doing? And you know, then Elijah tries to explain himself and then the Lord says, "Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by." Um, and we know the story: the Lord is not in the wind, the Lord is not in the earthquake, the Lord is not in the fire. But after that, there's this gentle whisper, and that's when Elijah heard it. And I think sometimes, Bill, you know, we've been through the we've been through the whirlwind, we've been through the earthquake, we've been through the fire, and we've we haven't experienced um the the tangible presence of God. But he does allow us to hear him if we wait long enough and we listen well enough and we get far enough away from the noise of the rest of life. Um, And he reveals himself and there's nothing better than God's presence. And as we see in the life of Elijah, it's enough.
0: It's Mm. enough. So true. I I love that comment, uh, Carmen. And I appreciate you reminding us that sometimes we just have to continue to be patient and persevere because God will. Answer our prayers.
1: Yeah, I think delay is one of the tactics that the enemy uses. Um, we think God is being God has waited too long.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We uh, we allow ourselves to imagine that what we experience as delay is not really. Uh, I mean, it's really God's patience, um, or it's God's purpose, and we just don't see it. We, you know, we're too dull to. Uh, to know it cuz we're looking from our very very limited um perception of things and um and we can we can know that God has not delayed too long he's he's right on time and he's right on purpose um but that does mean that sometimes we have to experience disappointment and um even dismay as we wait. And I think that's hard. Um, and that's where the spiritual warfare conversation really kicks in.
0: Yeah. So if you just woke up and are having breakfast, you're listening to the uh, Carmen LaBerge show. <laughs> and if you're driving home from work, you're listening to the Afternoons with Bill. So that's the deal. We're talking about solitude today. And Carmen, let's just get started on this topic of, on, of solitude, how it impacts our spiritual warfare.
1: Well, first, if you, um, if you didn't know that you're engaged in a battle, um, hey, welcome. This is the Christian life lived uh, in the reality of the world today, um, and it's, it's not all tea parties. Um, and there's a real enemy. Um, we see him engage with Jesus in the wilderness. That's a really good um, place that you can look in the scriptures. If you are tempted to imagine that the devil doesn't exist, then, you know, who was Jesus talking to um, and what was he doing? On that mountain, Um, and so there are some tactics that the enemy employs, and um, we're supposed to be contending for the faith. That's the language of the New Testament in terms of what we're doing and engaging in spiritual warfare, and Mm -hmm. um, and so some tactics of the enemy. And I, you could you could really name this list with a lot of different letters. I like alliteration, and so I made a list, and they all start with D. All right.
0: We're we're going to talk about that after the break. I I want to start when we have a a full amount of time to start going through your your list of D words. Um, But before we do that, Carmen, I'm thinking of in Acts chapter 20 and 29 to 31, it says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on guard. Remember, that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. We need to know the truth and we need to have time in uh, solitude withdrawing from everything that's going on to get strengthened. Yeah,
1: Peter affirms um, the reality of spiritual warfare. Um, Paul does as well. James certainly does. We get it in, uh, in the very, very short letter of Jude. Uh, yeah, if you're if this is something that you're not familiar with, um, this this actually is a reality of the spiritual life, and um, and so we have to be equipped for it.
0: I love it, Carmen Laburge. You're the best. We're going to take a break and come back. You know the drill. After 90 seconds, we'll be back in our conversation about solitude. We got a little treat coming up in the second half hour too. That we got a very interesting topic you're not going to want to miss. We'll be right back. Do you think of yourself as courageous, a world changer? Maybe fear rules the day and keeps you from identifying in these ways. But when you step out in faith and decide to take action in the moment, living this day in light of that day, eternity, you change the world. The Afternoon Show is part of the listener-supported Faith Radio. This content is only available because of your support. The impact on lives, the reach around the world happens because you stand up to make a difference. Now's your time. Take the next step and be bold by joining the support team now. Click the link in the show notes or go to MyFaithRadio.com. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. Carmen Laburge is my guest, and if you listen to her in the morning, isn't it a treat? You can listen to her right now on my show this afternoon. I love it. We love being together and being able to talk and to be able to share the hope we have with others. That's our lifeblood. We love that people come to faith in Christ. We love that they want to be discipled and they want to grow in their understanding and they want to surrender their life. And we want to help you do that every day. Let us remind you that there is nothing apart from Jesus. Um, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So uh, it's important to learn solitude. It's important to spend time with God to hear his voice. And we're chatting about solitude today. Now, if I was going to be the devil or the, or the, the enemy, how would I take you out of this picture? How would I make you not go to solitude? How would I not make you grow in your walk with the Lord? Carmen, what would be some strategies Satan would have?
1: Yeah. I think that when you phrase it that way, if you were the devil, how would you take you out? That's a good question for every single one of us to ask. Like, what's my weak point here? What, um, you know where have i let my defenses down um like where do i what do i know works against me yep. And distraction i i think the distraction in our generation generation is huge i think that we live in a totally distracted day and so uh, i think you can absolutely say that the enemy is using distraction <laughs> to to take us out of um you know the active um standing up for the truth In you know in in every moment in every way, Um, and so uh, distraction is certainly on this list. And so if distraction is what the enemy is using, then your healthy defense against that is getting refocused. And sometimes in order to get refocused, we got to get away. Yes. Um, We got to turn off the phone, and we got to get away from whatever is distracting us. And that's a part of the solitude conversation in terms of how uh, God uses solitude in in preparing us for spiritual warfare. Um, I think deception is uh, has been the enemy's tactic since the beginning. And so how is it that we're deceived? Um, and you can't be deceived if you genuinely know the truth. And so, you know, this is the you got to be in the word of God. You've got to speak the truth. If you have a sense that someone is trying to deceive you, asking very direct questions is um you know, it's not defensiveness, but it is a defense against deception. Um I'd put uh distortion right up there with deception in terms of like the way the truth gets blurred. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like there's um there's enough truth that we're not quite sure it's a lie, but it it seems like once you get to the middle of it, it's definitely a lie. Like you're like, <laughs> this doesn't seem quite like it's blurry, it's fuzzy. it's um it's obscured. Um, And so it seems like maybe it's like a neighbor to the truth, but it's not the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help us, God. So just, you know, so um, if it's distorted, then, you know, let's keep pursuing clarity on it. Um, The devil certainly uses discouragement against us. And I think that discouragement is one of those things that if you get if you get some space again, this is like you got to get away from the distraction. So the solitude is important here. If you're experiencing discouragement you got to lay claim to the promises of God. Mm-hmm. you got to remind yourself of who he is, and you got to lay claim to the things that God has promised. And and sometimes you got to stand in front of the mirror and do it. I don't, I don't know if you've ever done that, Bill, but, like, just stand there and tell yourself who you know you are and who you know God is. Um, and keep saying it until you believe it. Mm. Um, uh, so the devil wants to get you out of the game. And, um, and these are some of the ways that he does it, um, for those who, for whom depression is a weapon that the enemy has successfully used against you, you know, that there's like a dimmer switch and that dimmer switch takes you deeper and deeper and darker and darker. And that's not solitude, that's isolation and that's dangerous. Um, and so, um, Getting in the light and with people who are the light um, and reminding ourselves again who we are and fighting. I mean, Bill, fighting like hell. Ah, So true. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Disease is another one. We're not designed to be sick, but we get sick. Um, And so how is it that uh, the enemy has used disease to discourage you or to draw you away from the Lord or to lead you to question his goodness, his His grace, his all sufficiency. Um, and I, I think, Bill, um, division, just to add another D here to the list, um, this is division comes in so many forms. I mean, the devil might divide your mind. So mental illness is a form of division, um, might divide your heart, might lead you to, yes, love Jesus, but then have a bunch of other loves. And Jesus isn't that kind of lover. Um, divided families, a divided country. I mean, all kinds of um, weapons of division that the enemy employs against us. And obviously we are called to be people who share a unity of spirit and bond of peace and recognize the unified mind of Christ. I mean, the mind of Christ is never divided. His body is never divided. His heart is never divided. And his family is never divided. Um, and so if the if the devil is using division in or through you, um, then this is one of those clarion calls to get uh, one-on-one with the Lord and seek to rediscover the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, and then begin to walk in it. And that's going to require reconciliation in relationships, but you know what? That's the way of Jesus.
0: So good, Carmen. All right. Let's talk more a little bit about delay.
1: Yeah. So delay has um, kind of two sides here. So I think that there are times that we accuse God for delaying what we perceive to be, you know, God's too late. He didn't show up on time. Mm-hmm. And and if you're tempted in that direction, just think about Mary and Martha and how much they must have imagined that Jesus had delayed too long in coming um, to care for their concern related to their brother, Lazarus. Like Jesus was informed of his condition before he died. I know. But Jesus, in our view, delayed i know but in his view he didn't delay because he intended to demonstrate his power over death by raising lazarus from the dead which meant lazarus had to be what it's not a trick question he had to be dead (laughs) so yeah so in order for jesus to be revealed as the resurrection and the life um lazarus had to die and so what certainly looked to his sisters and to everybody else like delay was in fact God working out his purposes in perfect timing in a way that we could never imagine or reconcile with our day-to-day reality. Mm -hmm. Um, But aren't you so glad that we have that testimony?
0: Yeah. So glad. Now, uh, if you just stepped in your car, Carmen, my guest, you know her from mornings with Carmen. Carmen, We're talking about tactics of the enemy and the way that the enemy will try to take you out. And she came up with a great list that all start with the letter D and she just kind of walked through them, but I'm going to give you the list kind of in a a short order here. Deception, distortion, discouragement, diminishing God's goodness or greatness, distraction, and darkness. And that was the, Carmen, you talked about the dimmer switch that, if you have a, 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 a tendency to get uh, depressed or feel morose and God, you know, feels like he's just not with you or you feel distant, the enemy can just step in and say, yeah, you are just getting darker and dimmer and that's the direction he'll take you. Um, that's a that's a concern because I, I hear a lot of people talk about that uh, fear and that um, anxiety and depression, hear it a lot.
1: Yeah, it's real. Yeah, it's real. I mean, I've, I've, I've uh, walked through that, um, journey myself and, um, so yeah, it, it, it's real and, um, and spiritual weapons are necessary and spiritual community is necessary and good mental health help is necessary. And so we don't want to be afraid of any of that. And we want to, um, we want to invite all of that. I have one more thing to say about delay, Bill. Would you yeah. be okay? Oh, please. So um, the the enemy uses the tactic of uh, making us think that God has delayed. But there's this other tactic, which lead. it's the temptation to delay. When we know that God has commanded something, called us to something, directed something, God has said something, and we delay our obedience, that is another tactic of the enemy. And so let me encourage, you know, just... Immediate obedience when you know that God has called or directed you to do something. Do not mm-hmm. delay.
0: Mm-hmm. Carmen, I know you probably have the text line open. You can look at it without me having to read it. But what about putting on the full armor of God from Ephesians? six? Oh, 6? yeah,
1: that's because Anne likes Ephesians 6 and can't <laughs> believe that we have not yet said. And every morning you should put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand. And when you've stood, God will stand you up. That's exactly right. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Ann, for that reminder, Ephesians chapter six, if you guys are looking for that reference.
0: Yeah. Now, Carmen, as you know, we're going to go to break here, but when we come back, I I want to do a little bit more in the solitude. I want to ask the question, uh, you know, what what does Satan, what what would the enemy do that would work on you? Because he knows you and you're predictable. Um, What tactic would he use to try to take you out? I bet you have an answer for that yourself, don't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Good. So we'll we'll address that when we come back. If you have any questions or comments, you can certainly text them over. The text line's open just for you, 877-933-2484. Carmen LaBerge is my guest. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. It's the afternoon show
1: with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. what's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno.
0: I'm so glad to have my friend Carmen LaBurge as my guest today. Carmen is um Carmen, what what is your middle name?
1: Well, my middle name growing up was Suzette, but when I I got married, I took my maiden name as my middle name. So now my middle name is Fowler.
0: Okay. Suzette. That's a cute name. I like it. So as we are uh, talking about Satan's strategies today, and if he was going to take you out, what would be the strategy he would use on you, Carmen?
1: (sighs) um. He's tried a lot of them. Okay. So I'm I'm a I'm I'm maybe a little more practiced at this the older I get, the longer I'm in this. Um, um one of the things that we didn't put on this list, um, that certainly is a tactic of the enemy um in terms of leading us to question God and his goodness um and his power and faithfulness is death. And um and so In my life at a very young age, as I know is true with you as well, Bill, um, um, you know, death was something that I had to learn to reconcile with the goodness and the grace of God um, or just walk away from God altogether. Like if God is not good in the face of death and if he's not, um, if if his promises are not true um, when people we love die, um, then, you know, in in what are we going to place our hope so I have found God to be faithful in in the face, in the midst of in, and in the aftermath of death and on several occasions in many uh, in many different kinds of circumstances and relationships. And so if um, if God can be found faithful in the face of and in the aftermath of death, then it gives me great confidence in the face of all these other things. Um, I'm also a person who you know, any attempt of the enemy to distort the word of truth and to deceive me in that way. I'm I'm a person who has spent um, consistent time in the word of God over the course of years. And so I'm not going to say that that's impenetrable because I'm never going to be so prideful to say that the enemy couldn't use one of these weapons against me. But it's probably at this stage of the game not going to be deception. My um my discernment skills um are are pretty well, uh, well worked at this point. It's probably not going to be discouragement. Um, it may be distraction. And I actually think that I would point to that one and say the d- the distraction from the great is all the good. And so, um, there's a lot of good that we can do. Um, and if there is something great that we are called to do that we're uniquely, um, designed by God to do, we can miss it because we're so busy doing all the good. So I think that at this stage of my life, it's probably distraction.
0: Okay. Thank you for that. I appreciate your honesty. Somebody else would like to hear the D's again. Do you want me to read them or do you want to do it?
1: Sure. Go ahead. I add to them every time.
0: Okay. All right. (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to go slowly. And if you have a pen out, get it ready. Here are the tactics of the enemy to try to take you out. They could be deception, distortion of the word of God. You're trying to. Get the the distortion of uh, your perspective, your accountability in the community. Discouragement. Diminishing God's greatness or goodness. Distraction. Darkness. Which could turn into depression. Disease. Division. Among church, family, community. Delay. And death. Those are the ones. Those are the D's. So... Uh, the death spiral. Talk about that, Carmen.
1: Yeah, I think of, uh, I, the, the, I'm a very visual person, so um, I have a couple of visual notes for myself when I think about, um, you know, so y- the devil could use any any of these to get you sucked into his death spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he's going to, you know, he's going to proceed down a list. And so the entry point might be discouragement, but then he might be using the dimmer switch to, make it darker and darker and darker. And he might in the midst of that uh, divide your mind or divide a relationship. And he might make it seem to you as if God is delaying in an answer. You see then and then you're just going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, And um, and so the death spiral can start with any one of these. um, But it ends in death because that's his goal. Um, He is the liar. He's the father of lies. And he came to kill and steal and destroy. That is his deal. That is what he's about. And so um, uh, guarding ourselves at every point against each of these and then recognizing that we don't want to get sucked in at the top of the, you know, of the vortex because it just gets tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And it spins faster and faster the, the more he's sucking us down. Um, and so that's the the death spiral um, image that that I use. And when I'm gearing up for spiritual warfare, I recognize that that's the way he operates.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Carmen C.S. Lewis said something pretty profound, like the many times he says profound things. But talk about neutral ground, there is none, is there?
1: Yeah. When when I hear people say, you know, I don't really know what you're talking about. I don't I don't ever experience spiritual warfare. I don't experience any of these things. My life is all you know lollipops and and roses. I don't know, you know, what's wrong with you. And I, that's when I know like they're not, they're not engaged. They're not a threat to the enemy at all. They actually think that, you know, there's neutral ground. So CS Lewis puts it this way. There is no neutral ground. Every square inch, every minute is claimed by God and counterclaimed by the enemy. So good. So, yeah. So in a given moment, in a, in a given space, um, if you're not actively contending for the faith, uh, then you're not working against the enemy who's, counter, who's laying a counterclaim to it.
0: Mm-hmm. So this question, as we talk about solitude and the strategy that the enemy has to take you out, are you resting or are you wrestling? Which one is it?
1: Yeah, so that's, um, that's a question that I ask myself um, because I do think there's a temptation for me when I get alone to, you know, take naps and just enjoy, like, right. I'm like so grateful for some rest. (laughs) And then I recognize that God has me, God has me alone with him for a purpose. And yes, he wants me to rest. I I absolutely recognize the importance of that. Um, But once we've rested for a little while, then we need to wrestle. Like we need to be um, strengthening um, those muscles and, Familiarizing ourselves with the way that the armor is intended to be used, and and on and on and on, we need to be deepening our understanding of the word and our commitment to it. We need to be um, uh, cooperating moment by moment with the Holy Spirit, actively working within us. Like all of those sanctification things, need to be actively happening, and that is a that is sometimes a wrestling because there are things about myself that I don't I don't want to let go of. Um, but God knows I need to be, I need to be free of in order that I can fight like he needs me to fight in the, in the battle he knows is coming.
0: Mm -hmm. Carmen, what about spider webs in the woods? What does that mean? All
1: right. Okay. So (laughs) it's like you're reading my notes, Bill.
0: I'm not reading your notes.
1: Um, I glanced,
0: I glanced your notes uh, and and I uh, remember something, I remember something about spider spider webs.
1: Okay. So uh, have you ever been the first person on a, on a trail through the woods? No. Okay. (laughs) So let me just tell (laughs) you what the experience I know. So for those of us that take walks in the woods um, and we and we like to be the first person down a trail in the morning, um, you know, it's just it's fun. It's kind of fun to be out there. And um, and it, but if you, if you're doing that, you have to take a stick because the spiders have been there all night doing their thing. And they love to spin webs across the middle of the trail. I don't know why, but this <laughs> is apparently what spiders like to do. And so if you don't have a stick and you're not going to swinging it out in front of you the whole time, you will walk into a spider web and that is just gross. It's just a terrible experience. So um so you know you're swinging your you're swinging your stick out in front of you and you're swinging your stick out in front of you and then eventually you get tired of swinging the stick out in front of you and you put it down and then what happens?
0: Spider web in your face.
1: Yeah. That's exactly right. So mm-hmm. you can't ever put down your stick. Yeah. And it's just a reminder that the um, um uh, the enemy is always weaving webs of deception and and seeking, you know, a way to, to trap us. He's prowling around all the time, right? Like a lion looking for someone to devour, looking for a way in. So in this case, I, you know, I image him as a spider and, and the web being that in which he seeks to entrap me. Um, and so I can, you can't ever put down your stick. Yeah. It's tempting, but you can't ever do it.
0: Oh, such a good illustration, Carmen. No, I know recently you had some conversations about matters like life, death, heaven, hell. I would love for you to talk to us about those.
1: Sure. So um, I'm sure that you know when I when I start sharing this, people are going to say, "Gosh, it must be really fun to be Carmen's friend." <laughs> <laughs> she's she's always. She, does she ever talk about like? Yeah, yes, sometimes I just talk about rhubarb pie. But uh-huh. um, so I I have been in some like conversations lately, a number of them, and the subject is literally life and death, heaven and hell. Uh, and so um, I was thinking about a conversation that I just very recently had about a friend whose name is Karen and she's talking with her granddaughter and her granddaughter just straight up asked the question, you know, um, will God send me to hell if I'm gay? And of course, at that moment of revelation, uh, there's a lot going on. And as a grandma, there's lots of ways that you might respond to this shocking revelation. Um, But the, the question's, come in pretty rapid succession. Like, if God is love and God is good, then why would he send anyone to hell? Um, Is hell even real? If so, what's it like? And so suddenly Karen is confronted not only with obviously the conversation that she needs to have with her granddaughter about identity and sexuality and, and all of those things that are brewing in the culture, but very real questions about God and his goodness and heaven and hell and salvation and Um, and so I, you know, I tuck that away in the, in in the sort of file as a file card of like, I I gotta, I gotta have conversations that help her unpack that. And on the heels of that, I got another friend whose mother-in-law is 88, recently diagnosed with cancer. And instead of just gradually allowing her life to come to a natural end, she wants every medical and technical resource to be brought to bear to extend her life. And my friends like, you know, like, why? I mean, why not at 88? Just it's not an aggressive cancer. Just like why not let it run its course and live as whatever time you have just as best you can. And um, but there's a clinging, a desperate clinging to life that's really um, troubling. And that reminded me of a conversation that I had with an ICU physician from New York who was really trying to understand. She was dealing with families that They said they were Christians, and yet um, they are requiring her as a physician um, to—they demanded that she do things to resuscitate these hollow, frail, aged bodies, shock them and pound them back to life because there was no um, DNR order in place. And she was trying to understand why are these Christians so unwilling to allow their dad to— to pass, even though it's clearly time. Like, what what is going on? Why are they clinging um, to this flesh with such such desperation? And Bill, I think that's a, a critical conversation for us to have today.
0: Oh boy, I mean, do I, I agree, Carmen.
1: Yeah. And then there's the flip side of the conversation, which is the one we tend to have more often from a Christian worldview. And that's the conversation about the whole death with dignity movement, you know, or, you know, mercy killing, or we've, you know, we've started to call it you know, a euthanasia movement. But here's the challenge. I mean, I, I got a friend who's, you know, she's celebrating in, in in a particular small group, you know, just how thankful they are that God so graciously took her mom. And then she describes that, you know, on one day her mom moved to hospice and on the next day she was gone because they gave her a, um, uh, a pump and, helped her learn how to um, administer the morphine herself. And so she administered enough that, you know, she peacefully passed away. And this person is saying, you know, I thank God that he took her so graciously. And I'm thinking, wait a second, God God didn't take her. You, you took her to a place where she was given the resources that she needed to end her own life. And, and so I just think that as Christians, we, we got to have these very complicated conversations we have to have them honestly, and, and in sobriety um, about the sanctity and the gift of life.
0: Well said. Carmen, we're going to take a break. We'll come back, continue more with Carmen LaBerge. If you have a question or comment, let me know what it is. Carmen, i uh, be more than happy to respond to anything you've heard so far. 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Do you think of yourself as courageous, a world changer? Maybe fear rules the day and keeps you from identifying in these ways. But when you step out in faith and decide to take action in the moment, living this day in light of that day, eternity, you change the world. The Afternoon Show is part of the listener-supported Faith Radio. This content is only available because of your support. The impact on lives, the reach around the world happens because you stand up to make a difference. Now's your time. Take the next step and be bold by joining the support team now. Click the link in the show notes or go to MyFaithRadio.com. Thank you so much. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good. I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. Carmen LaBerge is my guest. I'm so glad to have her on. She can come on anytime anytime she wants. Carmen, that's an open invitation.
1: Thanks, Bill. It's Man, a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Well, plus we get all these comments from people loving on, on us. I feel like I'm getting some residual love because you're on. It's really nice.
1: Cody's been listening all day.
0: I love it. Thank you, Cody, so, for listening. So
1: I, I want to know if Cody is going to be going to the Carlton County Fair next week because I think pretty much he lives like in Barnum and that's where it takes place.
0: Nice. I hope he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Carmen, the conversations we as Christians need to be prepared to have with people we love as they age. Mm -hmm. And conversations we should have with our our siblings, our brothers and sisters, as our parents are moving into that age. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, this is when your worldview um, uh, is tested, right? It's one thing to say that I believe that life is a gift. It's one thing to say that I'm pro-life from conception and natural death. It's another thing to... Um, allow that process to naturally unfold at the end of life, um, and not seek to uh, claim a right over the beginning of life or the end of life. Um, and I, I, I sit here at the feet bill of um, of Johnny Erickson Tata, um, and so I want to commend. If folks want to do more reading on this, um, her book, "When Is It Right to Die." Uh, There's probably no better resource out there. Um, So for those of you that don't know Johnny, she, she's 73 years old now, but she's been a quadriplegic since she was 17 and in a diving accident. Um, And, you know, and so for her to say, you don't, you don't have a right. It doesn't matter how much pain you're in. It doesn't matter how dysfunctional your body has become. It doesn't matter what the world tells you about your, you know, your productivity or your worth or your, or your value. God, God gave you life and what God gave, we don't have the right to take away. Um, And so it is from, it's from Johnny that I learned to have conversations, not about the quantity of life or the quality of life, but the sanctity of life. And what, and to just explore that, um, because we are very utilitarian in the way that we think about people Um, and people are not things and they're not disposable um and, and so having those having those conversations is hard. Having the conversation about pain is a difficult one. Um, having the conversation about the loss of capacity is a difficult conversation to have. Who is gonna do what for our parents as they age? Um, who is going to step in and take responsibility for um for the things that they can no longer be responsible for? Who is gonna do for them? Um in, in similar fashion to what they did for us when we were babies. Mm-hmm. And and that's hard. It's a hard, they're hard conversations to have, but we have to have them and we have to have them with dignity.
0: Yeah. Good point. My grandma said to me at one point that she goes to church to go worship the God who will one day take her out of this life into his eternal kingdom. I go, Oh, that's mm-hmm. a pretty profound thought. Yeah. Amen. And a friend of mine just lost his mom. And they were praying that God would take her because she, her body was, you know, your your body knows how to die. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, at a certain point, they were praying that God would graciously take her. And so the idea that we are turning our lives and our will over to the care of God throughout all stages of life is that next step of obedience.
1: Yeah, and it's our real home. I mean, this is, we're, you know, we're sojourners here, we're pilgrims, we're Mm -hmm. aliens, like we have a real home and it's not here. Um, And if we genuinely believe that, and that, you know, Jesus has opened the way for us to go all the way home to the father's house and that he has gone before us and he's prepared the way and he's preparing a place that where he is, um, we, we can be also, Um, I mean, if we really believe what, Jesus has promised um, that He's going to take us to Himself. You know, that—that's the test of it, I suppose. It's the mm-hmm. test of what we really believe. Um, because, you know, I—I—I I, I get it when Paul says to live as Christ and to die is more Christ. That's right. what you gain. Yeah. I mean, not, you know. So, um, but I think that the fact that people don't genuinely believe that is evidenced by the. Clinging, grasping um to the things of this world, including the flesh, the tent.
0: Yeah. So Carmen, is we we have conversations with siblings about our worldview and, and what matters and what we think about life and death and about material possessions. Those are not easy conversations.
1: <laughs> no, they're not. Um they are made easier if you totally know that it just it it all goes back in the box Mm -hmm. um and so um it's not about ownership this is my this is my view and so i you know take this for for (laughs) um i i'm just a steward anyway it's all gods Uh, and so for me it's about use it's not about ownership so if somebody else wants to have their name on the deed as long as i still get to use it whatever it is like i'm good with that like right so (laughs) i'm i don't need like i don't I just, the the ownership thing is way less important to me than use. I don't really want to own a boat, but I like to have friends that own a boat. Or I don't really want to own a horse, but I sure do like to have friends that have a horse. Or a cabin in the woods, or whatever, an airplane, if you have one of those. I'd like to be your friend, like, mm-hmm. right? So um, I don't really want to own any of those things. And so I do think that our obsession with our name being on something and being the owner of it um it, that also betrays something about ourselves that's not super biblical
0: i agree so when you talk about material possessions about nice to have friends that have stuff that you can you know enjoy stuff with you don't need your name on deeds or or uh, anything else you sound like a very content person
1: Oh, I'm very content and I'm super blessed. I mean, my husband often says, you're God's favorite. It's so, and I'm like, well, (laughs) everybody's God's favorite. Like, that's, like, everybody is God's favorite and you should, you should know that about yourself. Like, God the Father, he does not have a child more favorite than you. Like, you are his favorite child and you should live like that. He he's a good dad and he wants to give blessings to his children and mm-hmm. he wants to give the best blessings to his favorite children. And guess what? That's you like Bill. You're his favorite child. I love that. And and so, um yeah, I uh, he's he's a good, good father and he can't wait for us to come home. He loves the sound of our voice. Um, He's got gifts for us that are beyond our imagining. Um, And yeah, and you're literally an heir of the kingdom of heaven Mm -hmm. and so i don't i don't know why clinging to the things of this world would matter to us when we you know our names are written in the book of life and our names are co-heirs with christ of the kingdom of heaven like that's a pretty good thing
0: we have the best thing we have a seat at the table
1: yeah amen little place card and everything i know chair chair with a name on it i know i know so great
0: so carmen if we need to have (sighs) conversations with aging parents still and they're not really one to talk. How do we get to that place where yeah. we, we find some uh, space to have these conversations that don't seem to be happening.
1: I, uh, <clears throat> I'm going in a couple of weeks with my 85 year old mom and 90 year old dad uh, to Canada for a week. And uh, I have some conversations planned. I have some questions planned. I have um, some um recordings that I want to make. I want to hear some stories again and make sure I have them right. Um, and I want to be honest about why I'm doing that. Um, and I'm going to say things to my mom like, you've told me that you regret not having grandma's voice to be able to listen to. And I don't, I don't want to live with that kind of regret. So we're going to have you talk about her. So I'm going to let my mom talk about her mom. Um, and, and that will lead to conversations like my grandma's favorite hymn. Um And what my grandma talked about before she died, and what she 's been in heaven doing, like she was a person who knew she was going to heaven to rock baby angels
0: <laughs> and she, would,
1: she would tell people that like you don 't have to worry about me like i i i 've got a rocker and i 'm going to heaven to rock baby angels, and that 's where you 'll find me in the nursery mm-hmm. and it 's been such a comfort to people when they 've lost a baby um uh, through a miscarriage or you know through infant death mm-hmm. for me to be able to say i I know. I know the woman who's holding your baby right now. Oh, I know yes. her. And her name's Robina and she's rocking your baby. Um like I I think I mean heaven is that real to me and it's going to have more people in it by the time I get there but I'm coming too. And so if you get there before I do like you know save me a seat.
0: Mhm.
1: <laughs> I mean if you like me otherwise you know fill up the seats around you cuz you know I'm coming.
0: Yeah, no. I've got an open chair right for you, <laughs> Carmen. So that'll be look forward to the joy that we'll all have in glory. That'll be amazing. Yeah. yeah.
1: When we all get to heaven, what a day
0: of rejoicing that oh, will be. that will be the best. All right, Carmen. Amen. Thank you so much. That's so, a fast
1: hour, man. Thank you. Yeah.
0: It was really great having you. Carmen's been my guest. You know where to find her. Faith Radio mornings with Carmen, six to eight central time. We're going to say goodnight now. Have a great night. Thank you for supporting Faith Radio. See you next week.